0: My dog was in the back seat, and the reason I just mentioned him is that the firefighters explained that when they got to the wreckage, they found that my dog had jumped over the back seat on the impact and jumped on top of my wife and son. And with that act, he saved their lives. They would not be here if it wasn't for that act. And he paid the ultimate price by giving his life in that moment of love and kindness. And, you know, the reason I say that, and it, this comes back really to your message of hope, is that despite it looking like it's a complete destruction, the darkest of dark moments, even then there was something beautiful and done out of love in a moment where it was just annihilation if that's not a story of hope to people to re- recognize that hope and an opportunity rarely comes running at you with a big sign saying hope or opportunity what it actually is is you need to take a look at something which is actually a disaster and if you look twice just look once more you will see that actually there is some sort of hope or opportunity which is clothed in clothes which don't look like it.
1: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my wife, my co-host in life, my partner in crimes we have never committed. (laughs) Her name is?
2: Just Jen.
1: Just Jen. I love that. How are you doing today?
2: I am super fabulous. Super fabulous. Uh, super Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious yeah, right.
1: You did it good Yeah I didn't do it well
2: I was dancing too
1: I know Super like you, talented You got energy today You were excited You're excited for our show today You are I, Yes. filled I
2: am I've got my coffee And I've got my water And I've got my protein pancake And my protein bar I am super ready
1: You are vibrant You are ready to go It's like you are raring to go Yes I am You must know who we're going to talk to today I don't you are going to be surprised. Whoa. You are going to have fun. This guy is funny. Mm-hmm. He's got an incredible story. I'll tell you more about that. But just oh, just good. look forward to it. We have an awesome, awesome. Did I say awesome? Yes. We have an awesome interview today.
2: I you you had me at funny. I like funny. I like funny too.
1: <laughs> Hope and funny put them together. Yes. <gasps> it's a marriage made in heaven. I like to laugh. It's
2: what I like to laugh. Yeah, you do. I do.
1: You do it often.
2: I do. <laughs> I very much do.
1: (laughs) I think you liked, that's why it was your idea to do joke time.
2: Yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, it was your idea to tell funny jokes, to kind of lighten the mood, to start the conversation, to get us down the path, down the road of hope. Because we want to head down the road of hope.
2: And I'm going to be a professional joke teller one day.
1: really? Yes. I believe that. Are you going to be on America's Got Talent? Yes. Speaking of which. Yes. That's changed a little bit, huh?
2: America's Got Talent. Yeah. Well, the whole world has changed a lot.
1: <laughs> we, we, you know, we're catching up on some Netflix stuff. We started to watch America's Got Talent, and then once COVID hit, it was interesting to see the transformation of the show once mm-hmm. COVID hit. Yeah. yeah,
2: because now they're now they're doing it from their houses, but it doesn't matter how bad you are of a talent; they're still going to let you pass.
1: Yeah, it's you know what's it's,
2: <laughs> it's kind of silly. I'm like, n- oh, really? Like you would let them go onto the next step.
1: It doesn't feel like just kind of surreal, mm-hmm. like the life that we are like when you look at that, like you're, you, okay, they're all virtual, they're all in their own homes, it's, it's, it's just.
2: <laughs> I think it's funny for you, because like when you see an audience, you're like, oh my god, like you freak out, like why are they so close, why, where are their masks, and for me it's like, it's still so normal just to see normal people without their masks, like. I haven't, I guess, evolved that way yet. You have.
1: I guess the difference is that given everything that's happened, all the news, all of the uproar over masks, Mm -hmm. et cetera, do we wear them? Do we not? You know, what was funny to me about America's Got Talent was you could see that transition because initially they went, they didn't have an audience Yet they had very close interaction with each other, so that was at a time when they said, "Okay, you don't have to wear a mask, but you got to socially distance from yeah. one another, etc." So it was it was interesting for me to look back over the show and watch that. But I, I will say that seems true. Like whenever I'm watching TV and I see now large gatherings of people and people yeah. are like sitting side by side and cheering and like <laughs> like I go, "Oh my gosh, that seems so irresponsible now." Yeah. I feel I feel like cooties are flying everywhere. Like you can yeah. see it. It just seems like. <sighs> Are we ever going to get back to that place again? And I think, I think we will. I think it'll take some time. But it is, it is kind of an interesting paradox now to yeah. now look back at that and go, whoa, there were that many people in a room together? That seems so irresponsible. <laughs>
2: I still find it so normal though. So I well, don't know. good for you. I, I guess
1: I'll be the one that has to go through the adjustment when the time comes. Whenever normal yeah comes back, what I don't, is normal? Well, it's never going to be quote unquote normal nope. again. It'll be a new normal. It but it is what uh, it
2: is. You evolve.
1: I, I guess I look forward to the time when we're not thinking about it. It's not present of mind, and you can come together in big groups and concerts and sporting Mm -hmm. events and things like that and it doesn't even phase you you don't even think about it i'm
2: excited when the weather gets a little colder so i don't feel so hot in my mask yeah that's true it's hard to breathe
1: yeah that's true i
2: mean we've gotten better at it but yeah it's definitely yeah
1: yeah, you go into winter you're going to enjoy wearing it because it'll keep you warm you're like oh
2: "Oh." this is so good
1: (laughs) All right, you got some funnies? Let's tell some jokes.
2: I do have some funnies. Do you have a joke?
1: Uh yeah, you want me to go first or go first. do you want to go first? Usually you like to go first, but uh, I will go right now. Okay, go. What kind of tree fits in your hand?
2: A palm tree. Oh, you
1: got it. <laughs> I gave you too much of
2: yes.
1: a clue. I am
2: so good at joke time. You are. So proud of myself. I'm patting myself on the back.
1: It's must one of those superpowers.
2: Yeah, it is a superpower. Okay. Are you ready for mine? Yep. How does Cookie Monster pay for his cookies?
1: Mm, nom, 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 manual nom, labor.
2: With cookie dough. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. He he makes such a mess when he eats his cookies. There's just nom, crumbs nom, nom, flying nom. Yeah, just, everywhere.
1: Well, that seems wasteful. I love Sesame Street. It seems wasteful for a foodie.
2: No, it's Cookie Monster. He'll pick it up off the ground and eat it. <laughs> I would. Don't you?
1: Five-second rule.
2: Five-second rule. That's right.
1: All right, Jen. I've got a guest for you. I'm super excited to uh, to interview this guy. His okay. name is Paul Rogers.
2: Paul Rogers. And
1: uh, number one, he's from the uk is from england and so he's got a great accent i love love listening to him talk number two he's extremely funny Mm -hmm. and so i think it's going to be a fun interview okay and then lastly his story of hope riveting absolutely riveting you will not believe what this guy's been through Okay, I'm And so uh, I'm excited to have him online. Yeah. You ready? I'm ready. Let's call him up. I'm going to call him up right now. Right I can't now. wait. Do it. All right, I've got Paul Rogers on the line. Paul, welcome to the Hope Radio Podcast. How are you today?
0: I'm good, my friend. And uh, yeah, it's a great honor to be here. So yeah, all good.
1: Oh, well, we're happy to have you. And uh, just curious, what part of the world are you in? Because I detect a little bit of an accent. So where are you from and where yeah. are you living now?
0: I'm uh, safely tucked behind the border in Canada at the moment. (laughs) Uh, I'm in Quebec. (laughs) But you can see I haven't quite got the Canadian lilt quite yet. So I'm from England, UK. Mm. So, yeah, that's why um I'm... you know, the obvious question is, what the hell are you doing in Canada? <laughs> well, I, I don't think
1: it's such a far fetch to imagine that somebody from uh, from England would end up in Canada, you know, because. Well, you
0: know, it's good form with that, because obviously Meghan and uh, <laughs> Prince Harry, you know, now just Harry to his mates. He's obviously done the trek as well. I'd I like to think I sort of showed the way on that.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is true. Well, you know, the one thing I will say about Canada is Canada is one of the most beautiful places I've ever visited. And one of the most post-COVID or, or during COVID right now, one of the most aggressive at making sure people stay inside. We, yes. we have some friends that are Canadians and they were going to head back to Canada after being in, in Cabo in, in uh, Mexico for a while. And they said, listen, when we get there, we got to go straight home. We got to stay there for 14 days and if we leave and they catch us, it's like a million dollar fine. I'm like, Whoa. what? That's that's like that's like I like that. That's you know, what that's, the
0: states need to do. <laughs> I know we didn't yeah. we didn't do that uh, in the mean, states. Yeah, my my parents came across from England. They were able to come across because I'm a resident here, and exactly the same thing. In that. They had to have the food shipped into them, you know, literally. And and they got these, that message came from border control like every day on email. So Mm. it was like, there. Uh. and, you know, I'm cool with that because there has to be a sizable deterrent because you know we're, we're, we're playing Russian roulette otherwise and so I you know, I think that's really cool mm-hmm.
1: yeah it I, I felt like that was the measure that needed to be taken that's that's like when you know the country's serious about right. protecting you is if you know because what they said was they had to have you know meals how are you gonna have your meals who's going to provide your food you're not going to leave and they will check they will yep. check to see yep. if you're home they'll yep. do a random spot check and I'm like whoa you don't want to mess <laughs> around there
0: <laughs> no well, well I, I live literally on top of the Vermont border I'm like 60 seconds out of my window here as I'm on border. So there was kind of plenty of border guards milling around. (laughs) So it was like, you know, any one of them could stop because, of course, you had to give them the address and everything else. So um, they could rock up any time they wanted to. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, that's no joke. Well, happy to have you, uh, on the show. Happy to talk with you about the subject of hope. And, uh, you know, I know you have an incredible story, an incredible story about your life, an incredible story about hope in general. So, uh, why don't we just jump in? I I want you to be able to, uh, share your most formative life-changing events with our audience and let that, uh, you know, help us foster hope in others.
0: Absolutely. I mean, um, I kind of like to think of my story as my overnight success, which took 21 years. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that's like the overnight success of most comics. You know, it take, you know, they grind and grind and grind, and then all of a sudden they're successful, but it took 21 years.
0: Absolutely. And, and people kind of walk in on the last chapter, and they, oh, you know, this is suddenly great. And they, they sort of don't see all the, the build up to that. And, um, you know, people comparing themselves to other people is a dangerous game to play. And it always ends in disappointment. So I I choose not to try and play that game to start with. My story started back in 1999. That's going back some now, actually. And I started off as a commercial lawyer. And I was in England, practiced commercial law in England, became a partner, was pretty good at what I did. But I kind of just followed what everyone says, which is, you know, go to school, do well, go to university, do well, get a good job, do well. And then the story just kind of like peters out and i like, well, what do I do now? I'm, I'm there. And what I realized is that I was stuck in a career which actually it was successful. If you measure success on a financial basis and, and things and but really I was just really, really unhappy. And, I, looking back now, I now realize that that was my first proper chance to actually change the course of my life. And I decided to um, quit the law and become a kite surfing instructor. Love oh, so that.
1: See. Love that. <laughs> now, it's so funny, when you said you were a commercial attorney, if our audience can picture you, you're from the U.K., you've got this beautiful blonde hair and what I would call dreadlocks, right? Like you've got dreads and colors and stuff like yep. that and long, long hair. So I would never would have guessed that you were a commercial attorney at some point in your life. But having said that, I have a personal story about kite surfing. So I took up kite surfing myself <laughs> a couple of years ago and found oh. it to be a lot of fun until I ended up in the hospital.
2: Oh, Sean, Sean no, decided... So he decided to fly away. I,
1: you know, I was just, good. I was just beginning my instruction and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Los Bariles in, in, in Cabo San Lucas down in, in Mexico and great winds, great environment, but I I just made a, a, just a small air and I, and I grabbed a whole bunch of the kite when I was trying to get out of the water. I was just kind of dragging my feet in, in the water to some degree. And I'm like, okay, I need to get out of that. And I grabbed way too much kite. Next thing you know, I launched like probably 20, 25 feet up in the air and then just flew forward probably 50 feet and then just came slamming into the water. And I thought I'd busted a couple of ribs. And I, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is yeah. So all the respect to you, man. That That is a beautiful, beautiful sport. Love that mm-hmm. sport. But, you know, it, it, I, I it, haven't taken it yeah. up since. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you see, you know, people used to ask me, well, you know, they get really excited. So how do you jump? How do you jump? And I was like, jumping is never the problem. <laughs> it's the coming, the down, which yes. is
1: the <laughs> <laughs> I can attest so to true. that boy. I, I can attest <laughs> to that, that knocked the wind out of me. And then see, the problem was I thought I'd broken some ribs. I, I didn't, but I, it was that painful. And so then what you got to yeah. do is you got to power. I was like 150 yards off the shore. So then you got to power yeah. up the kite again to get yourself in. And so this thing's dragging as my, my ribs are just killing me. And I've got to drag mm-hmm. myself into the shore. So much respect for anybody that's Really good at it. The jumping is awesome, no, but you're I mean, right, the landing is yeah, the I problem. Mean-
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's one little missing element, which I'm just going to add color for that story, is that, um, of course, when you got to the beach, you kind of then pretended that nothing hurt and everything was fine. (laughs) 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 This is true. Having having everyone watch you being thrown around like a rag doll, you kind of go and go, yeah, that was cool, I meant that. (laughs) Exactly.
1: I meant to do that (laughs) as as I'm dragging myself by my arms across the, (laughs) the sand.
2: <laughs> oh my
0: gosh yes so you so no you left someone, law yeah.
1: to become a kite surfer instructor
0: yeah heck yeah, yeah. And, and and it was kind of like my hobby at the time uh, I wasn't that good at it actually but it was something I really enjoyed and so I thought I can relate I'm gonna yeah I thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> your story is gold I'm gonna dine out on that for a long time my friend <laughs> and um and, and, you know, I, I thought, well, uh, I'm going to take myself off to the Dominican Republic and I'm going to learn how to be an instructor. So I was going to do a, a complete intensive immersion course for 10 weeks. I got to tell my father, of course, and I was like, um, dad, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, leaving the law. I said, oh, okay. So I'm well, okay. What are you going to be doing? And I said, well, um, I'm going to be a kite surf instructor. <laughs> And he sort of paused and he says, well, son, you're an ass and now you're just about to become a bum. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh, but you're an ass
1: and now you're about to become a bum.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I know the word bum in Europe and England has it's basically out in America. So just 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 to sort of like put some subtitles under that for people. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah. And so, so I, I took myself off to the uh, off to the, the beautiful Dominican Republic at the tender age of thirty-five uh, to the land of the eighteen-year-olds, beautiful tan gods and goddesses. <laughs> Enter stage left, fat white pasty englishman and uh, you know and 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 being english i I don't tan well i i kind of i kind of change color to and 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 i never think it's that pink until the sun goes down and everyone's sort of culling around me because i'm giving out so much heat and um oh my gosh <laughs> Blend, blending in wasn't very good um, but I, 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 I persevered and uh, I then came back to England and I went to work for a kite surfing company And the local I, I lived sort of uh, near the coast in England so I, I went from sort of doing multi-million pound deals to pumping up kites on the beach and you know, I was I was really happy and kind of by accident because, you know, another thing I've discovered is that actually there are no accidents and coincidences, but this was an accident in that I then decided that I wanted to buy this business and I did. And then I really, within a space of two or three years, ended up running kite surfing businesses in the Cayman Islands and also England. Now, selfishly, I just wanted to chase the wind, so it made sense to have these two schools. And it's beautiful place, and I'd like to go back to kite surfing. But newsflash: Canada is cold, and (laughs) and the the Caribbean. Oh, we have to dress up like a seal here in my wetsuit, whereas as in Cayman, it's like board shorts, and I'm like, yeah, that's for me. So. Uh, Like every good hero, they need a villain. And uh, I'd like to cast my villain as my business partner who decided that it was far too much fun and that I needed to leave, uh, which I, of course, then did. And so I then was ejected from the country because it's one of those weird things that if you lose your job, you lose your residency. So, now, this is in the Cayman
1: uh, Islands, or is, is this in? Yeah, in the, it,
0: in, in, okay. in, in the Cayman Islands. So, this was round about Christmas time. So, there's a little story going around about no room at the inn about that time. I can tell you that's true. Because <laughs> <laughs> when, when we arrived in Canada, we had no place. So, we bunkered down in somebody's garden house. And, you know, we rock up at Montreal and it's like minus 20. We've just come from plus 30 and I'm standing there in board shorts and deck shoes. And, you know, and it's like, Oh my God, what happened? (laughs) What did I do? um, Yeah. What did I do? So, um, we decided that actually, well, we better make a go of this. And my wife was a teacher and, that's also why I came to Canada for a woman so what other possibly reason would you need um, so um, what what other
1: possible motive would take somebody from the Cayman Islands yeah. to Canada on purpose other than a love woman. and a woman
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, I tell you isn't isn't that just lovely <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, back to the script. So yeah, then we decided, well, I was going to do my emigration, which I have now successfully, uh, a naturalized citizen six or seven years later. So we needed a job which would actually pay well for both of us to live off her salary because I'm a tourist. So we found that the jobs which were advertising were way up north on the Indian reserves. So. We went up there and we lived then for five years on the reserves with the Cree. That was a real eye opener for a number of reasons. The, the, I'll, I'll pick on the obvious one because I'm a Brit, I like to talk about the weather. Mm. And it's minus 40, ladies and gentlemen, there, entire <laughs> of January. I mean, you, when you go out to put the trash out, you have to dress up like an astronaut. <laughs> um,
2: Oh and
1: my uh, god! You just created an awesome visual with just like four words. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and and so that was interesting. And <laughs> to um, say the least, <laughs> Jen
1: Jen doesn't and, and, uh, like the cold, so she would net minus forty. Jen yeah, minus forty. Oh,
2: know, I know. I like your nose like
1: would that. freeze off in five minutes.
2: I wouldn't go outside. Yeah. <laughs>
0: no i mean if you if if you want to try this at home, uh, what I' would suggest is just open the freezer and stick <laughs> your head in there just for a little while, and it's mostly colder than that, so oh. you know it's it, yeah, I mean, my blood went from sort of in, lazing around in plus thirty to minus forty, you know it's like, oh my mm-hmm. goodness,
1: so you know so, all um, about quarantining, right, <laughs> like you've lived yeah. that life before like stuck inside yeah. for months at a time. You know what that's like,
0: yeah, 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 I mean, and so you know. It's kind, of, it's kind of like, and I'm going to say, it, it's kind of funny to see people just losing their minds over this because yeah. you know, previous generations have been asked to go and pick up a weapon and go and shoot somebody. This generation has been saying, look, I'd like you just to stay at home, watch some Netflix, get some popcorn, and we'll see you in a few months. That sounds to me like a, a better choice. <laughs> Running off to try and shoot
1: somebody, yeah, Yeah, with perspective, or be shot yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, high probability of 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 being shot yourself. So, yeah, I mean that was so that was all going quite swimmingly, and I started teaching adult education, fantastic stuff. Um, But a couple of personal things crept up as they usually do. I I always find that life happens when you're busy making plans, and um, I got diagnosed with skin cancer which I got that phone call from the doctor, which you never want to get. And it is as bad as you imagine it is because everything just like sucks you down a big hole. And I then went back to England and with three or four surgeries later, the little fellow decided that he wanted to stretch his legs a bit because it was a melanoma. And he decided it would be great fun to run up into the lymph nodes in my armpit. So they had to go And that was a real sort of reality-defining moment. And I got through that and came back to Canada and, you know, tried to pick up my pieces in my life again and and successfully did to a large extent. That was just kind of like the warm-up, which I didn't realize at the time, but the real show happened two years ago in March 2018, still up in North Quebec. Uh, deep winter of course and I was with my wife, my two year old at the time and my big white husky Malumet. hey if you live up north you've got to have a northern dog. Mm-hmm. and and so <laughs> we were driving back to our house and on an unmanned railway crossing a train hit the car which we were in and it destroyed the car and, and us actually and My wife and I woke up 10 days later. We were on life support for those 10 days and it was touch and go so much so that my parents and I really feel this and anyone who, and me as being a father, it's, they got that call to say, you need to get over to Canada because we're going to need you to make the ultimate decision here and you better just get yourself ready for that. And so they did that and it's a seven hour flight from the UK. Just imagine seven hours in the context of a day or something. It's just it you know, out of contact for that amount of time, it's proportionally it's like being out of contact for fifty years.
1: Yeah. And anybody that's a parent well, understands that. Anybody that that you know, is in a situation where they're far away from their kids, you know, to get a call like yeah. that and to have to make arrangements and then I can only imagine that they're they're on the plane you know, with a thousand things going through their head, most of them bad, you know, what is your condition? Are you going to make it? What's going to happen? So let's go back and make sure everyone's with us. So you and your wife and you had your dog and then was there anybody else in the car with you?
0: Yeah, my my little two-year-old son was in the car. We'd actually just picked him up from daycare. So So the three of you you and
1: your dog were in the car crossing an unmanned railroad crossing and you guys were hit, hit by a train.
0: Yeah. Now, Whoa. people have said to me, well, how did you not spot it? A train's kind of big, and uh, they've got a point. But snow falls so hard up there that we, the, the bank was apparently 20 foot high with snow. So it was like the perfect storm in that he didn't see me and I didn't see him. And at that precise second, there was the perfect accident.
1: The perfect example suppose. of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. It was just, it was <laughs> just a moment where had you not, you know, a couple seconds either side of it, yeah. it would not have happened. But it just so happened exactly. that it that it did. Relative to where you were driving, where did the train hit the car? Was it on your side? Was it on your wife's side? Was it in?
0: I haven't been able to look at the photos. Um, my wife has because she, she she recovered slightly differently to me. And from what I understand. She was sat in the back with my son, and it hit on the passenger front side. So, effectively, I took the brunt of the, of the collision. My dog was in the back seat, and the reason I just mentioned him is that the firefighters explained that when they got to the wreckage, they found that my dog had jumped over the back seat on the impact and jumped on top of my wife and son. And with that act, he saved their lives. They would not be here if it wasn't for that act. And he paid the ultimate price by giving his life in that moment of love and kindness. And, you know, the reason I say that, and it, this comes back really to your message of hope, is that despite it looking like it's a complete destruction, the darkest of dark moments. Even then, there was something beautiful and done out of love in a moment where it was just annihilation. If that's not a story of hope to people to re- recognize that hope and, and opportunity rarely come running at you with a big sign saying hope or opportunity... What it actually is, is you need to take a look at something which is actually a disaster. And if you look twice, just look once more, you will see that actually there is some sort of hope or opportunity which is clothed in clothes which don't look like it.
1: So, well said, he, Paul. Well said on that. Like, thank, thank you for that acknowledgement. I am just in. Like, shock. I, I just am amazed. W- what was your dog's name?
0: Uh, my dog's name was Siku, and um, he was actually a rescue job dog bred for, uh, for um, sleigh, but his hips weren't very good, so we adopted him from a shelter up there, and and he's a, he was a big boy. Husky maniments are not, are not sort of handbag dogs. And <laughs> <laughs> unless you've got a very big handbag. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, he, when he jumped over there, he did entirely cover them with his body. And it blows my mind. And, the, the, and I've, I've found a way to honor him. And what I've done is I have written a series of self-help books. Which I have called the White Wolf Way because he's my White Wolf, and inside of the books, on the first cover, there there's a picture of him in the fields. Which so that's how I kind of remember him. I didn't write the books under my own name. I actually used a pen name, and you're going to love this. It's a uh, um, name is Kate Summers, so a female pen name at that. So if you look under Poor Rogers, you won't find very much. You look under Kate Summers. You'll see quite an attractive lady. Actually, she she I, I, I picked well.
1: <laughs> well, if you're going to write as a, a pen name, you know, like you've got all the options in the world to to create whatever you want to create. So that's well, that's awesome.
0: Is it your wife? The picture? So, no, no, no. It's not. It, it's uh, it's. Yeah, I, I tell you, Shutterstock is a fun <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> So, you know, i like some kudos from Shutterstock for just telling that. And, and also, you know, um, I'd like to just give a shout out to Honda. CRVs, I can tell you mm. firsthand, they can survive yeah. an impact for a train. So, um, you know, the CEO of uh, Honda, you know, uh, you're welcome.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're you you so you're hit and, and you come to 10 days later. So you like have no yeah. idea what's going on. All of a sudden you find yourself in a hospital. Now, w- was your wife in the same room? Were you in separate rooms? Was it you coming to and then you're by yourself? And so, so just describe that for us.
0: We're in separate rooms. My wife came to a day before I did. And she doesn't remember this, but this is what she was told. That, and she asked to come down to my bedside. And so she came down and she spent some time apparently with me. I like to say I'm asleep because that have got far more of a Disney connotation <laughs> than, than, than the actual reality, which was not Disney. So the next day, my parents arrived and the ICU workers ran and hugged them and said, forget everything we told you before you left. Mm. And we didn't do anything here so we are going to put this down to a miracle now miracle is a very casual word thrown around in society and when the workers from ICU who deal with this every single day when they start telling you things like this and I've had two or three doctors since then uh, one actually was only a couple of weeks ago who said look from the catalogue of the injuries you just should not you should not be breathing and so when I did wake up I had no clue where I was and and also I was in a French hospital <laughs> so an English person wakes up doesn't know who he is and also has no idea what language is being talked either which is kind of difficult yeah. and um, so you had amnesia yes yeah oh, I mean I, wow. I, I mean to be honest I, I and somebody asked me this recently about when I started doing all my podcasting and training and stuff and I said well this year and I said well you know that's I said well, I can't really remember very much of 2019. I remember being in pain a lot of it, but um, I don't really have a very vivid memory of it. And it's everything you know has gone. And you know, everything, you, you don't know who you are. Because people are saying, Paul, but that meant nothing to me because that was just a label people just said to me. And I had no idea what that meant. And that went on for weeks.
1: I'm fascinated by that. What is that like? Like when you when you don't recognize your own name when you like like I. It's just unimaginable to me. But w- what did you feel in those moments? D- how did you process that?
0: It it was, and you know I I, I now realize because I've got heavily into spirituality and, and meditation a bump on the head does that to you <laughs> um and <laughs> and you can imagine me when i go and see a doctor how are you feeling oh, i feel fine okay what about the broken neck smash back and broken skull oh yeah that um yeah that's not so good so I, I must admit i was not a particularly good patient and i don't know whether that's my english upbringing all right, how are you? Fine. Well, you know, fine, sir, you know, carry on. I'll just walk this one off. Uh, a bit like you, your bit, bit like you with your kite surfing, actually.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm great. No problems here.
0: Yeah, no, 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 That, that was all meant on, you know, the body injury that, that, that was by design. No. So getting back to your question, do you know what? It was terrifying, but it was a terrifying piece because you're no longer connected to this world and I, I said to my father one time when he was there um, I said look I, I really trust you and I'm going to ask you what I think is a big question and I want you to give me a straight answer I said, is this real and he said yes this is real because you see people say oh I was coming towards the light the light to me represented excruciating pain the Darkness, however, didn't. So it's kind of not what not what the Hollywood films would suggest. And, and, and another thing I've learned, um, Hollywood, I'm going to blame you on this, when people get flashbacks, it's not the screen goes all wibbly-wobbly and Bobby Ewing walks out of the shower. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's not like that. It, it, uh, anyone who, you know, if there's anyone under the age of... Uh, we're, leave that but if they're under that age that that's a reference to dallas
1: jen, jen and i got uh, it we we, we, we got yeah, it we're, we're yeah. with you
0: yeah. we're, we're talking to mature audience here yes. obviously so that's good <laughs> um and so um it was it was like when you don't actually plug into anything And you don't even know what your thoughts are I mean that was the big thing it was like I woke up in somebody else's body and head because the the thoughts I was thinking weren't even mine and I I've told this to a few people now lots of people but um, I was party to discussions which were my voices and other voices which I don't know about whether or not I decided to come back or not which is just I mean that's heavy stuff and I apologise for going heavy yeah. but you know it's it really shapes where you go from there and and what I have decided and did decide is that okay I wasn't responsible for what happened to me but I was damn sure that I was going to be responsible for the next things that happen and when I woke up I was different in that I had this burning a passion to help other people which sounds all very slick marketing doodal but it's not it's actually the genuine deal and i've then lived by that since that paying it forward because i know that actually i got lucky i know that i got another roll of the dice when in fact i shouldn't have done and i firmly believe that that happened for a reason plus also Yes, you can hear. I can talk. In fact, I like talking. You might have told. You might can tell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're good at it. I do. I can <laughs> tell. And it's fun, to, it's fun to talk with you.
0: A few inches the other way, because I've got a frontal lobe damage mostly, that would be it. The motor skills would have been gone. So it didn't touch that.
1: Just for context, what were your injuries?
0: I had a broken neck. So C1 and 2 broken. My back for L3 and 4 were broken and my skull on my right-hand side had been completely smashed inwards. So um, I I underwent a seven-hour brain operation. So I actually can say I've seen my brain, Um, and it is there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And they had to basically extract all the bone fragments which had splintered into the brain. And one of the arrowheads of bone went through my fascia nerve, nerve seven. So actually my right-hand side of my face is paralyzed. Now, those out there in radio land can't see that, but you just have to take my word on that. (laughs) So, So I was in, as to quote a neurosurgeon I saw recently, I was in a pretty bad way, which I thought was a beautiful summary, almost a man after my own heart. I was pretty in a bad way. So I now live with a severe TBI. A TBI is a traumatic brain injury. Um, don't worry, I had to go and look that up too. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also have PTSD, which I, like most people, thought that this was only the thing which affected our brave um, servicemen and service women, but it doesn't. My wife also has a severe TBI, and her injury is very different because she had the more dramatic, actually, because she had to have the open-head surgery to release the pressure where she got hit in her head. Me, because I got hit round my neck, they just had to let me swell up. So there we go. Stick a pin in me, I think I was done. What about your son? I, uh, well, do you know what? He only had a scratch from where the dog's claw flipped him as he jumped wow. over. So he's like, he's like flipping Harry Potter, you know, with the <laughs> zigzag scar, you know, he's like the kid that lived. You know? it's like, so, so that was all his injury. And, and, and also I think his age protected him a lot because he just started pre-K here. Mm. And he's, he's fine. I mean, he's confident, he's outgoing, he's social. He had to go and live with my sister-in-law for a while. Um, simply because we were too ill to look after ourselves and with the family we managed to get him back and that was you know despite all the physical pain that was an emotional pain where actually you desperately want to see I desperately want to see my little boy but I was just not physically able or well enough and I didn't want to frighten him because I was not at my best Um, in fact in fact, this, this funny. Uh, I I looked in the mirror at one stage, and I, I got out of the habit of that pretty quickly, um, but I looked in the mirror in the hospital, and of course, the airbag blew up, and it hit me in the face, so I had two black eyes, so I looked like flipping Captain Jack Sparrow. I didn't know who I was, but I knew who Captain Jack Sparrow was, and I was like, so, you know, thank you, Johnny. That was. I would have rather have remembered Paul, but okay. So, um,
1: <laughs> Well, speaking of which, I I guess my question that that circling around how long did it take before you did regain your memory? And did it it come flooding back, or was it just pieces and parts initially?
0: It's never come back. And that, in a way, protects me because the PTSD puts me right back at the site. Now, it does it through, uh, occasionally it's visual flashback, but that's very rare. Um, It's mostly sensation and emotion, because what I... Have discovered because I've researched everything is that even though I was unconscious, the subconscious keeps recording. Mm-hmm. And so, what the and and I now, if there's a, a, a bang or a noise or anything metallic, bang, it takes me straight back there, and my central nervous system just goes haywire and it's very distressing. Again, great understatement there, but in it, it, and and so. It's something which I live with every day, knowing that at some point during the day, because you can't soundproof the world, that something is going to trigger me. So when people say to me, so, hey, you've been getting on with COVID, I say to them, you know, it's brilliant because I've been socially isolating for two years because I'm frightened of people and noises. So for (laughs) me, it's like, hey, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's it. So that's a story of hope there, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> so, you know what's funny
1: know. is it reminds me because we, we had another person from from England on the show, and she said the same thing. She was in an accident. Her family, her mom, her dad, and her brother was killed in an Indian air crash back in 1990, and she suffered burns over, I want to say, 80% of her body. And so she she was uh, substantially disfigured in uh, her face and her skin, etc. And she said that COVID for her actually was a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. because it, it allowed her to stay home. She didn't feel compelled to have to go out. And so that sometimes that negative response of being outside and encountering people and having people stare and look at her, etc., was just, you know, she didn't realize how much of that she, how much anxiety came around that until she actually got a lot of distance yeah. from it and COVID gave her that chance to get some distance from it. So it sounds very similar to what you're saying.
0: Yeah, uh, and and it, it takes a great deal of energy when you haven't got lots of energy to throw around. I remember as uh, part of my sort of, part of my rehab was the cognitive exposure, which you know, basically means they try and integrate you back into going out so I remember one of the little experiments which I did I did have people there but was basically to go in a shopping mall which it's still even when I went in last week I have to wear headphones and stuff and I and I'm I'm very conscious of stuff and the overhead tannoy the speaker system came on and it just completely blew me apart and and you know even when I was in like in depths of fear all I was worried about thinking, I wonder if they think I'm drunk. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock, they must think, man, he's been on the sauce, and it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. So I kind of straightened up and tried to walk off and it's like this walking off the thing again. And that takes an immense amount of energy and you just haven't got that. And so I really relate to that, that actually, you know, trying to, for whatever reason, whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter, but, you know, how, how the body can react. That. and so COVID's given me space I have used it and and I I sort of try and get this message across to everyone that it's an opportunity and it's a chance to reinvent yourself it's a chance to study things it's a chance to you know be the best of what you are and you know Earl Nightingale saying you are everyone standing in their own acre of diamonds and it's true you know, people don't realize what skills and talents they have, and they should, be, they should be preparing themselves so when we get back to wherever we call as normal that they come out like on a different projection as then they went in. And that's, you know, it's working for me, and there's no reason why it shouldn't work for anyone else. I've adopted lots of new things because – my whole life i can't really remember it's gone i got asked a question recently as I am. Um, so you know it's about this thing do you have any fears and i was like no mm-hmm. but i have an insane, insane fear of noises But if you want to ask me whether i have a fear of talking or doing anything else no i haven't i've got a <laughs> i've got a fear of something far more serious mm-hmm. so we all are going through trauma and we are unified in that for the very first time. You know, we are unified in we can't run away, we can't buy our way out of it, we can't do anything. It's it's there, and that's what trauma is. And it doesn't have to be with. Well, I like to do things with a bit of flair, as you can mostly tell. Um, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it it can be emotional, mental, but it's still the same.
1: When you think about what happened? How did you get through the darkest days? I mean, did you, cause you said earlier that you have become more in touch with your spirit. So d- did faith play a role in your life substantially prior to the accident? Has it played a, a greater role in your life since the accident? You know, like how I'm sure there's somebody listening right now going like, how did you make it through? I mean, that was like an incredible, you had amnesia, you you, you had bodily injuries, you had brain trauma, you had PTSD, you know, like, I'm sure there were some really, really bad days. And so how did how did you weather those days?
0: It's a good question. I, would I say I was spiritual beforehand? Well, if you looked at my resume, I suspect I even wrote it next to one of my other hobbies, which would have been basket weaving or something like that. So I, <laughs> I, I, I would, you know, I'd have put that down as one of my strengths, but I actually had no clue what that meant. Mm. I kind of do now because I don't, Strangely enough, believe in coincidences anymore. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's been kind of there's kind of different prongs to it. It's been united with what I now believe is my purpose, and as as almost a message, a messenger to other people to say, I can help you. I can, I can, I, I may not be able to make you better physically, but I can certainly grab your hand I can certainly listen and I can understand because beforehand I used to think I was empathetic but when you have a sort of a a paid up ringside seat to the show on the front row you tend to get a little bit more involved and so I really really understand mental health issues and in glorious technicolor and how do I actually keep that and keep going. And I, I have I've had a couple of these, and you're, you may relate to this. I call them mirror moments. A mirror moment is when you lock the bathroom door and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you think, "How the hell did I get here? <laughs> where did it go wrong?" And that's the point where you think, "Okay, something's got to change. I've got to." make a change i've got to do something to get out of this and that is something which actually is very very powerful and it's also very personal to whoever has that but i don't i don't sort of subscribe to what as as any one god or anything like that i i, I tend to i saw something really good the other day and uh, I, this is not meant to offend anyone but um it was like I've got no problem with God. It's the fan club I don't like, um, which <laughs> which I thought was that, I thought that was quite amusing because it, it, it it's kind of like you know people think oh oh he's off on the religious thing, but it's not that at all. It's it's what it really is is a connection with who you really are, not not the sort of what society has told you and moulded you into be, but you know what you really are, you know, the, the word inner child is thrown around a lot, um, which always amuses me because my inner child was always told off at school for gazing out the window. Mm. So uh, <laughs> so my, my, my inner child was not obviously paying much attention. But what I now realize is that that imagination is something which was frowned upon, which actually everyone's desperately trying to get back in touch with. And so it's, it's you know, that part Actually, before you were given labels and all of that, it's what actually makes you. What makes you tick? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? Why? You know what, what's the point? And when you start actually having time on your hands to look at things like that, you know it it fuels you, and that's what gives you hope. And you can hang your hat on things. And there's great things you don't have to see the full staircase. Just see the first step, Um, and I think that that's the most courageous and the most difficult. Anyone reaching out for help, to get to the point where they ask help, they would have had to have climbed their own mountain to be brave enough to say, I need some help. (laughs) It's all in perspective, and um, what I have learned is that I'm not a superhero, but what I do know is that everyone without exception, has the internal strength. You've just never had a chance to be tested and it to be shown. But there's no coincidences that, you know, people run and they lift cars off people and things like that. That's, that's, that's all your strength there. And inner strength, mental strength, um, we all have it. Um, it's just that when you're in a comfort zone and everything's done for you, we forget about it. Um, and, and, I, and, I,
1: and I think that's the beauty of, of this situation right now and the beauty of, of your story. You're right. Everybody's got strength, but sometimes they haven't been tested. They haven't been tested yet. And I think what's what's going on right now with with covid, you know, the economic devastation, the, the, the financial concerns, the health concerns, you know, it really has just rocked everybody's boat. It's shaken things up. And I think that there's an opportunity when that happens to take stock of where you are where you expected to be, and then to reconcile whether or not you're on the path that you are are supposed to be on, whether it's the path that you were purposed to be on. And what I hear you say is that, you know, the accident happened to you. And, and in some respects, it, it obviously nobody would ever wish to go through that. But the blessing in disguise that you've realized out of this is you've come out, more empathetic, you can understand people a little bit better you I think you're more connected to your spirit. I think you can come alongside people in a different way than you ever could have before so I think that 's the silver lining there that that i I believe God helps us, whatever your vision or, or version of God. I think God helps us to extract the maximum possible benefit out of challenging situations and I think that's exactly what you're doing right now you're trying to to take your story your experience and extract whatever fruit whatever benefit you can out of it and then share that with others
0: that's entirely that and you know I in a selfish way my how my little brain works um is that um every person I get to impact and touch I get a little piece of healing back myself I get a splinter of a a broken piece back Um, and so that's what drives me Um, I'm also really good at looking at signs so um, if anyone upstairs who was looking down and looking after me if you can just leave me a note next time, just mostly propped up on the bedside, I I, I will read it. I really will. Um, Running me over with a train is pretty damn extreme. So, you know, a a word out to whoever's up there, just write it down. I promise you I will read it.
1: (laughs) Well, as we uh, close out the the show, Paul, number one, you've been just an incredibly funny guest, a, a, a just a riveting story, and uh, thank you so much for that. And I guess w- what I want is your perspective. So let's imagine right now that somebody's going through their most significant challenge. Maybe they didn't get hit by a train like you, but the equivalent is it's, it's, it's a train running them over. Maybe it's a financial train. I, yeah. I always imagine a restaurateur or a gym owner or you know, a hair salon or some business that literally has just been brought to its knees, or maybe it's a, it is a health challenge, maybe it's cancer, or maybe it is an accident or something along those lines. But let's just imagine somebody's listening right now, feeling that darkness, that dark time that I certainly know you went through. What could you share with them to maybe give them a little light of hope? You know, what reassurance can you give to them that they're going to make it through this?
0: It's about believing in yourself. And when you start down this path, and, you know, it's a path of self-compassion, when you start down this path, you will find that every challenge you've ever faced in your life, you were able to overcome it. I mean, there's this great thing, you've, you've 100% survived your bad day. So, you know, you're going, to put that, you're going to put that record on the line. And every time you go through a challenge and you survive it, you get given a gift, but you didn't see it until you have to turn around and then you suddenly realize you've got this whole stack of gifts which you've never opened which were all there and so self-compassion for me has been the way forward my doctor actually told me that in the very beginning i was kind of hoping she might write me a prescription for some pain drugs but she said no self-compassion and i was like well I suspect I might struggle when I go to the pharmacy to ask for, you know, we've got a bottle of self-compassion, please. (laughs) So, um, but it is something you're in control of because you're in control of your thoughts. So you can start right now and it's only one thought away.
1: I love that. Very, very well said. Thank you for that. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your message. You know, I'm so, so thankful that you made it through because, uh, quite honestly, you, you, you make me smile. You're a light. I can just tell yes. you just got one of those personalities that uh, I, I just can't wait to come visit you at some point. You know, hang out with you. Jim oh, and I would love that.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. I, I mean, think you are a fun I, one.
0: You're, you're, thank you. I, I, I do try.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all about having fun. So you you make yeah, me smile. No.
0: Yeah, no. T- to be honest, you know, anyone who walks around who's a white guy with dreadlocks, has got a smile.
2: <laughs> I
1: love oh, it. Oh, your your humor is off the charts. I, I I love it. Thank you so much, Paul, for your yeah. story. I really appreciate it. You you've been a uh, an excellent contributor to our mission of hope.
0: It's a pleasure, and, and and you know, you guys guys are doing a fantastic job. You know, just just keep rocking it. I love it. Thank you.
1: All right, Jen, I don't know about you, but that story, Paul's storytelling ability, I mean, I just, I felt like I was like you. I felt like I was a professional listener with a voice. I just really enjoyed his story. How incredible. Yeah. I mean, his dog saved the life of his wife And his son.
2: I truly believe that because I think animals have an instinct in them. Yes. There's
1: no question. They are Mm. man's best friend for a reason. And I fully believe that dog was in that car Mm -hmm. at the right time, at the right moment. And that dog consciously gave his life for his wife and his son. And it's just one of those things that that you just, you marvel at, you know? It makes you sad because the dog died in that process, but it just also... It's just so hope-filling to know that man's best friend, that animals can yeah. can do that, that can sense that, that can be that.
2: So w- the dog was in the front seat and yeah, jumped f- back. Correct. Because, which I thought was very interesting because the wife normally would be sitting in the front passenger seat. Yes. But they had just picked up their toddler, so she had sat in the back with them. Yeah. And the dog was up front. Yeah. I was like, wow, like what of like. The whole story, I was like, "Wow, it was such a miracle that it all happened the way it happened." Yeah, if and you I, want to call that a miracle.
1: Well, I think it, I think it is a miracle because you, you know the reality of it is is sometimes things like that happen happen to us, but mm-hmm. they happen for us. Right. You know, offline, Paul was able to to share that he firmly believes that that accident actually, in some sense, saved his life. Yeah. Maybe saved his life. Mm-hmm. Maybe saved his wife's life. Mm-hmm. Um, he felt like he's gotten some confirmation some 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 intuitive feelings about that and so um, it's interesting I think that if you reframe it like sometimes you go well man, that was a horrible thing to happen to him but what if it did in fact happen Mm -hmm. for him what if it did in fact right you know create the path that he's now on the destiny his purpose on life like he was put on this planet to do something maybe that accident was the was the catalyst to do that
2: you and I actually talk about that a lot about how like something hasn't happened for us but we you know like like we're thinking, okay, well, maybe it hasn't because of this. Yes, it's you know, so like we actually put ourselves into that mindset a lot. Yes, you know, like with Brayden not being able to test for his driver's test. Like, well, maybe something bad would have happened if he did. Yes, and so that's why we had to come back a few weeks later. So it's like we we think a lot like that.
1: Well, I think I think for somebody that's listening, what what we mean by that is like, for example, they gave with with Braden, my son, mm-hmm. he was he was not able to test for his drive. He put a lot of effort, a lot of lot of time into testing for his driver's license. We show up at the DMV. And uh, he's turned away because they kept us waiting out there for 15 minutes in the sun. It was 106 degrees that day. And then they they uh, take a thermometer to his forehead and he's got an elevated temperature. Little yeah. wonder given yeah. how long we were out there, but they wouldn't let him test because of that. And so obviously hugely disappointing to him. But I, I said to him right away, I said, bud, you know, anytime something like this happens, just imagine the complete opposite right. positive benefit. So imagine mm-hmm. that you had gotten your license and maybe you would have gotten in an accident. And so this something. event right now mm-hmm. stopped you from getting into that yeah. accident. For two you know, weeks. Like what if it saved wait. your life? Yeah. And so what it does is it immediately takes, takes the sting of disappointment out of it totally and reframes the whole occurrence yep. to where you go whoa that could have been a blessing mm-hmm. maybe that's a positive for me maybe that was maybe that saved me maybe that was for my benefit yeah. you know
2: I like and, to think that, like a lot of the times, like I don't get disappointed when things don't go my way because I know that that's just not the way it was supposed to go. Yeah, you know. So it's like I think if you live like that, it becomes easier.
1: I think. It, I think it allows you to be a lot more like water, right? Just kind of roll yeah, with it, be like you know. Water, roll, roll with life.
2: That's right.
1: Yeah, but right. Uh, incredible story. Can't thank Paul enough for his truth, for his vulnerability, for sharing. So
2: glad he's here. I'm glad his wife is here. I'm glad his little boy is here. Yes. I'm sorry they lost their dog. I mean, I know, I know that's hard because, you know, an animal is just a family member as well, but... Man, that animal saved their lives.
1: So what hope nugget did you take out of this whole story?
2: I just love him. That's my hope nugget. <laughs> I love talking to him. I know the listeners can't see, but he's got the coolest dreadlocks and he's got the accent. And I'm like, he is super rad. Yeah. I love him and I want to go kite surfing with him.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, th- I think what I took away from it is is just this mindset that no matter what happens to you, hmm if you if you focus on trying to extract the maximum possible good out of it yeah. and use that as fuel to help others in their life, which is exactly what he's doing. He's got his own podcast. He's got his own resources. He speaks. He's coming on our podcast yeah. and sharing the story, story of hope. I, I think that he's trying to squeeze the maximum possible benefit out of uh, out of that situation, and I and I applaud him for that.
2: Yeah, he actually has his own podcast. What was it called?
1: It's called uh, Release the Genie. Release
2: the Genie. And he like, he, he like grants three wishes. It's the coolest thing ever. So. I thought it was
1: a great concept. He's just an
2: awesome dude.
1: Yeah, he wants to have us on. So I'm excited to, uh, to I do his podcast. I'm
2: thinking about all the, all the things I want.
1: <laughs> this is true. All right. So if people want to hear more of our awesomeness, other podcasts, how do they do so?
2: Oh man, if you're listening to us now, you can listen to us on any platform for podcasts. So wherever share you listen it. to.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, send it out, send it mm-hmm. out to your friends, share it to your family, share it to somebody that you love, that you, that you care about, somebody that would be inspired by the message, you know? Yeah. So spread the Hope Radio podcast, uh, text it and share it, email it if you can. Um, you can do so on most platforms. You yep. can, uh, there's a share button you can do. And so. And, uh, and additionally, if you think you have a story of hope or, you know, of somebody that has a story of hope, um, send us a direct message. We're both on Facebook and Instagram at hope radio podcast, both platforms, Facebook and Instagram, hope radio podcast, send us a message. We'd love to have you on the show. If you uh, have a story of hope.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, I think we should do another one of these. I was so invigorated. I was so lifted up. I was so hope filled with today's show. It makes me want to do 500 more.
2: 500 more. Tomorrow. And I will walk 500 miles and I will will walk 500 more. Ooh, you did good. I know that song.
1: Here's a preview of our next Hope Radio podcast, episode number 78.
2: I've been through, you know, many different challenges in life, but one of the hardest things that I've ever experienced is being a single mom and living in the most, one of the most, you know, costly uh, cities in the world and trying to navigate that. That was hard. It was hard mentally and emotionally and physically. It took everything out of me. And I was burned out uh, from being a single parent. It was interesting. I wasn't burned out from work. And so I would have, I think it was my work that actually allowed me to sort of surf the waves of that um, to the best that I could because when I would work, it would boost me, it would give me resilience um, to sort of endure the sort of the challenges of being a single mom.